Japan is often regarded as an advanced country when it comes to infrastructure and things like technology, but on criminal justice issues, it's lagging behind other developed countries. But change is afoot. A panel of the Japanese Justice Ministry has just proposed raising the age of consent from 13, yes, 13, the lowest amongst all G7 countries, to 16 as the country looks to reform its out-of-date laws on sex crimes. Justin McCurry, you're the Tokyo correspondent for The Guardian. What's prompted this reform? I think there are a couple of reasons. Um, First of all, domestic pressure um, built for a change in the law um, over the last couple of years. In fact, there were several high-profile cases back in 2019 in which um, men accused of rape were acquitted for for reasons that shocked many members of the public. And one of the cases was uh, involved a father who had repeatedly raped his daughter, uh, who was a junior high school student at the time. So in Japan, that means sort of between the ages of 12 and 15. He was found not guilty. And the court at the time said that it recognized that the daughter had not consented, uh, but there was no definitive proof that she'd been unable to resist. Um, there were several other cases uh, the same year, that really sparked an outcry uh, among the Japanese public and ramped up the pressure for the the, uh, government to do something to change the penal code. I think the other reason, and this is quite often uh, a factor when Japan moves to reform or abolish laws uh, that it's been criticized over, particularly by human rights groups and and indeed other countries, and that's that it's, um, it's now the president's revolving president of this group of seven nations. There'll be a G7 leader summit in Hiroshima uh, later this year. And I think, you know, you you may remember back in 2015 when Japan finally um, criminalized the possession of child pornography, although it made exceptions to manga comics and, and animated films. At that time, the source of embarrassment for the Japanese government was that it was the only G7 nation that had not banned the possession of child pornography. This time around, as you, as you indicated in your introduction, um, it's because the age of consent at 13 is the lowest among G7 nations and, uh, in fact, one of the lowest in the entire world. So I think that now the spotlight is going to be on Japan over the next few months that, it, uh, that it's decided to, to move at, at this point. Of course, the G7 summit's going to talk about big geopolitical issues like the Ukraine war, China and Taiwan, uh, North Korean ballistic missiles and nuclear weapons. But there are other... Um, sort of domestic policies that tend to come under the spotlight when uh, a country heads a big organisation like the G7. And I think that's also contributed to this uh, Justice Ministry panel report. So what does that mean for existing uh, child victims of sex crimes under existing laws? I mean, clearly 13-year-olds are going through the adult justice system. It does, and and they're not being served well, according to campaigners. So what happens now? Uh, the age of majority was was reduced from 20 to 18 um, in in 2022. So what happens to uh, victims, uh, survivors of of rape and other sexual offences who are aged under 18 are covered in many cases by local ordinances, um, not by but not by the penal code. So local governments don't have the power to amend the penal code or interpret it in, in their own way, but what they can do is introduce an ordinance. The problem with that is that it, it doesn't describe rape as rape, but only as, and I quote, lewd behaviour, 
with a minor, and that means that the the penalties are, are, are so much lighter than they would be for uh, for a, a rape charge under the penal code. So that's why um, campaigners have said um, that people under the age of 18, and it is usually women, need greater protection uh, under the penal code and not by some, you know, fairly toothless local ordinance. Interestingly, Japan, as we know, has a 99% conviction rate. In other words, prosecutors only pick up a criminal case if they know they will win. So what's the likelihood of children, you know, falling through the gap because prosecutors might be hesitant to pick up their cases in an adult court? Yeah, I mean, Japan obviously comes in for a lot of criticism for that 99% conviction rate. So, I mean, the idea being that uh, if, if charges are brought, then, you know, you're almost certainly going to be convicted. But what prosecutors would argue is that they, they, they look at cases in such detail and spend, you know, an inordinate amount of time um, looking into each case that they only really bring cases to court when they know that there's enough evidence. And the problem with the rape laws in Japan at the moment is that the, the bar is very high to even bring a prosecution. So I, I, I mentioned this one factor. Um, there has to be proof that the, the victim or survivor was um, unable to resist. That's not a requirement that you see in, in other uh, developed uh, countries. There's also a requirement, which is equally controversial, that the perpetrators of rape, um, there must be proof or the prosecutors must prove that they used violence and intimidation. And that, that was the, one of the factors in those acquittals that we saw back in 2019. So what the Justice Ministry is saying is that they're not going to interfere with the wording of the penal code, um, but they have, if you like, expanded um, uh, that definition of violence and intimidation. So now it covers alcohol, intoxication, drugging, what it describes as catching victims off guard and the use of psychological control. So they're saying they're not going to make it easier to bring a, uh, a, a rape case to court, but that it, it should enable courts to come up with better rulings when, when cases are finally brought to court. And because it expands uh, the definition of violence and intimidation, the idea is that it will give survivors of rape more protection and, 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 and justice when their day in court finally comes. If you've just joined me, Justin McCurry is the Tokyo correspondent for The Guardian. We're talking about Japan looking to lift the age of consent from 13 to 16 here on RN Drive. And, and this age of consent has remained unchanged since, I believe, 1907. And as you mentioned, it's, it's lower than, than most countries. Are there a lot of teen pregnancies in, in Japan as a result? Um, I don't know the figures on teen pregnancies. Um, well, one, you know, there are there are myriad problems uh, surrounding women's sexual health in Japan. Um, you know, one is the the very high abortions are available, um, but one factor is the very high cost of of having an abortion. Um, the other is that although Japan is finally addressing this, that for a woman to have an abortion, she needs to gain the consent of her partner. And you can imagine all of the difficulties that arise from that requirement. There have been cases in recent years of women uh, who are minors who have had children and have abandoned them, you know, obviously going through absolute emotional and physical turmoil at the time. So, you know, whether this makes a difference to teenage pregnancies remains to be seen. But, um, you know, women's sexual health and the treatment of survivors of sexual offences is certainly something that Japan now feels it needs to urgently address. 
how is Japanese society at, at large receiving this proposal? Is there a lot of support for the changes? I mean, are, are women, for example, speaking out about their own experiences here? Somehow, I mean, it's, I think it's very difficult in general for women in Japan to speak openly about subjects like this. There is still uh, a sort of a taboo, I suppose you could say, surrounding sexual offences, women's sexual health, abortion, that, that, that kind of thing. But I, I, I think uh, I'm right in saying that Japanese society is largely supportive, and we saw that back in 2019 when there were these string of acquittals that, um, that, that sparked a public outcry. But the sense has always been, or has, at least for the past few years, it's been that the government has been... And let's face it, the J Japan's government is largely made up of, of men over a certain age for whom this kind of subject may not be a political priority. I mean, the current uh, cabinet of the Prime Minister Fumio Kishida has more than 20 ministers and only two of them are women. So it may not have been a political priority and there has been a sense that the Japanese government is out of touch with public opinion, not just on this, but on, on lots of other issues. I mean, I, I wrote something yesterday about gay marriage in South Korea. Um, it's not legal, it's not legal in, in South Korea, but a court um, recognized that one partner in a, in, a, in a gay relationship was entitled to um, health insurance through his, his partner's insurance policy. Now in Japan, we still have a ban uh, on, on gay marriage, um, despite the fact that uh, you know more than other 30, more than 30 other countries have legalized it. And there doesn't seem to be any movement within the government to, to move towards legalizing gay marriage. But here again, um, opinion poll after opinion poll shows that the public broadly supports it. Some interesting changes afoot in Japan. Justin McCurry is the Tokyo correspondent for The Guardian. I appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you. Thank you. And if this has raised any issues for you, you can contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. You're with Andy Parker. This is RN Drive. ABC RN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.